You're about to hear a podcast recorded before our rebrand, so you might hear us mention our previous brand name, We Are Radical, or our original podcast name, The Radicalist. We're still the same show with the same hosts on the same mission. And if you'd like to find out how we got here, you'll find our journey on the stories page of obuinvest.com. Hello and welcome to the Radicalist podcast, where we have frank conversations with fierce women founders. This is a podcast about not settling, full of honest conversations with women who have wanted to build their own businesses and did. If you're making the tough but incredible decision to start up, sustain or scale your own business, we've got you. Because we're a podcast by, for and about women who do exactly that. Women looking that leap in the eye, women taking their first steps as founders, Women with stories about the journeys they've been on, the hacks that have helped, and everything they've seen along the way. Women like us, and women like you. We're Sarah King. And Claire Dunn. And we're the founders of We Are Radical. And this is The Radicalist Podcast. This week, we're talking to Pamela Windle, founder of Smarter Change, with nearly half of the UK population experiencing perimenopause and menopause at some stage in their lifetime. Pamela's business helps to break down taboos and empower women in the workplace. In this conversation, Pamela shares her own health journey, how to trust and invest in yourself and your vision, even when others doubt you, and the positive changes she wants to create in the world. So Pamela, you're building a business using your own personal experience from your own health journey. Can you take us back to 2014 and just share with us what was happening for you at that point in time? Yeah, there was confusion, fear. Didn't know what was going on with my body, with my life. Everything had been turned upside down. Everything that we think that is normal and that things that you just accept as normal just wasn't anymore so up until that time I'd been unwell since 2012 on and off and then 2013 I was really really unwell so by the time 2014 came I had lost my job as a result of that I remember standing on Derby train station actually and it was February the 7th and it was freezing cold and I was still on the train station and I was shivering and I was on the phone to my partner saying, I just can't believe I've, I've done this. I've agreed to leave my employment with two months salary in the bank and I was ill. At this point, I've never not ever worked. You know, when I did my degree, I had two jobs. My, you know, had my knees met, you know, in terms of financial security, or well, we did everything possible to do that. And at this point, I had no kind of ways of thinking, well, how can I get out of this? Because I'm unwell, and I, I can't work, and I've got two months salary in the bank, what do I do next? 2014 marked that as a big change in my life. Dad passed away that year as well, in the May, so not following that as well and um, yeah I just didn't know what I was going to do with myself. Mm. And Pamela during that period of time it doesn't sound as though you'd been very supported in terms of the kind of medical world and getting to a stage of understanding what was going on for you and your body and is that how it was? Did you feel like you were figuring this out alone? Oh totally. 
my GP, as nice as he was, <laughs> bless him. He said, you know, I think you should go to a monastery. And I think that'd be really good and, and eat almond nuts. That was his advice. I mean, okay. in some respects, you know, he thought that my fatigue, because I had chronic fatigue syndrome, so his understanding of chronic fatigue syndrome is somebody that's really stressed. So he felt that I was, the reason why I was so unwell was because I was really stressed. So going to a monastery, yeah, yeah, that would have been, for somebody that was really stressed, definitely, you know, it was something that would be lovely but obviously there's retreats that you could go to or you know just learn some stress management techniques but is I the idea of it made sense but actually it wasn't why I was fatigued and and that's his limited understanding of, of understanding yeah of it. so he tried but Apart from that, there was no help at all. You know, I was told that this is as bad as it's going to get. If This is how you feel. It could get worse. It could develop into something else, you know, like fibromyalgia. But this is it. Where you are now, there's no cure. There's no way of getting better. That feels like a very bleak future that you're faced with. I think it took you a little while to even get to that diagnosis, didn't it? It took you quite repeated visits to to actually diagnose its chronic fatigue syndrome. Yeah, so I'd been backwards and forwards to the GP 2013 while I was still employed and I was off sick. And my GP did actually say, oh, you know, I think this is ME, chronic fatigue and... And I think the type of person I I am, I was like, no, I don't have that. I'm really positive. It's only for people that aren't positive. Uh, My limited belief about that or awareness about that, you know, it's only for a certain type of person and I'm not that kind of person. And one GP, not this one, but another one, female, actually said, oh, you know, why don't you go on antidepressants? And I said... And I was sitting back and I thought, mm, am I depressed? I thought, asked myself on the inside. And I thought, no, I'm not. I'm not depressed. I feel lifeless and I don't have any energy. And it was really difficult to muster up any kind of enthusiasm or even smile with, you know, something that took energy. So I didn't do it that often. Not consciously, but I clearly wasn't. And... Yeah, and I said, no, I'm not depressed. And she said, well, you know, it's going to make you feel better. And I just thought, no, you just don't understand what's wrong with me. I'm not depressed. Mm. I don't have the energy. It's really strange in some ways hearing you describe yourself like that because (laughs) we've met you in the last sort of 12 months or so and you are joyful and vibrant and to imagine you in a place where that wasn't the version of you who you were able to be it's i don't know for you claire it's it's just so difficult to to imagine that because you are so full of life and so full of energy so what was the turning point for you what was that moment where you thought no hang on a moment i'm putting myself in control of this and i'm going to find a way a path through like what was that trigger moment and what has that journey been like 
Yeah, I don't know if there was a specific moment. I was researching my degree, you know, finished my degree in 2009. And up until that point, till 2014, you know, constantly learning about health and wellness. So I never really truly owned the diagnosis even when they said you know you've got chronic fatigue syndrome I really didn't own it because I understand what that means it felt like if I was going to own it that's what I had and there was no cure and I wasn't accepting that at all so even though I didn't kind of know how I was going to get better I was searching for a way to get better it wasn't until 2015 that I met Dr Jessica Drummond. I met her online and I was signed up for a third age woman qualification, which she was part of. And I actually did the qualification laid down on my back. It was like 15 weeks online training about perimenopause and menopause. And, and I was literally intrigued about it because I wanted to know more for myself because I was, I think I was about 47, 48 then. So I was intrigued to know about it for my own self. But I literally did the class laid down because I was so unwell. So I qualified in that. And then I was on her mailing list, actually, because she did that with two other professionals and she did the nutritional part of it. So 2015 came and went, did the qualification, and then 2016, she is talking about functional nutrition. And I was thinking, oh, what is this functional nutrition? I'd never heard of it. I want to know more about it. And I actually met her at a women's conference, actually, in the UK in the March of that year. But I've really felt an urge to take up this course so it started in May of that year, 2016. And unfortunately, between 2014 and 2016, I had sold my house. I didn't have any help from our government. You know, they said I was well enough to work, even though I couldn't sit upright for a long period of time, even though I couldn't go food shopping and I couldn't shower every day and I couldn't brush my teeth every day, couldn't cook a meal every day. They said that I was well enough to work. So I sold my house, lived off the equity. Dad had left us some money, so I lived off that as well. So there was more money going out than obviously coming in. And I was working. I had a few odd clients hypnotherapy clients and I remember in between clients I'd be laying on the floor just to gather my energy back and so I ran out of money almost and I the course that I took was I think it was like five grand and I remember thinking oh I've got 10 grand left in the bank what do I do I want to do this it feels really right and I decided to do it so tell us a little bit more about specifically what's the business that you're building. Mm. So Smart Change. The foundation of it is literally built on my mum. Smart was her maiden name. And the change is about, people probably might think it's related to the change, i.e. the menopause change, but it isn't. It was about changing the way we see things in our world. And, you know, it's evolved that I work with women about in that change 
but also how they feel about themselves and what we have been told, that narrative that we've been told about this particular phase of life and how we age. That encompasses individually the wider society, which includes then the workplace. So they're not separate, they're all together. How I like to work with women is to have them be at the driving seat of their own health. You know, often we go to the GP, similar to my own experience, my GP saying, you should do this, you should do that, why don't you take this medication? Well, actually, when we sit back and when we understand what's going on in our bodies, often we have the answers ourselves. Using our intuition as women is something that we've just been told not to do. Or we're too busy to do it because we're busy, particularly in this phase of life, maybe have children, young children, elderly parents that we're also caring for. And maybe if you're employed at the top of your game and you're just so busy <laughs> running your job, you know. And so being able to sit back and actually take that time to listen to yourself and to understand what you need rather than somebody else telling you what you need is really important. One of the things I love about working with my women, the women I work with one-to-one, is one of the things I really enjoy, is just hearing them thinking, ah, yes, I can do this. Ah, yes, and I can do this. And there's those little changes that make the big difference. There's so much talk, isn't there now, about perimenopause and menopause, there all the time and the newspapers on tv it's constant isn't it and and there's this notion that it has to be hard these changes that you make somehow you're giving up on your life that you had and it doesn't have to be you can still enjoy those things that you enjoy but just very very different hmm. how has it been for you building a business around a taboo subject like what lessons have you learned when you reflect on going into an organisation and kind of saying, hey, menopause, let's talk about this. And I can imagine yeah. there must be some people who kind of want to crawl away and hide under their desks. <laughs> like, what, what lessons do you feel you've learned in terms of creating a space for that conversation to happen? I think it's been really tricky. It's not been easy talking about menopause anyway. I think women were resistant anyway to talk about it in a way that's solution focused. And then there's like this not understanding how the whole body is impacted by the menopause. And like when you support the system, so i.e. when you support your liver health or your gut health, or you do some stress management techniques on a daily basis, how that can have a, a profound effect on the symptoms that women are struggling with. So my one-to-one clients in the group, that has been a struggle, just educating women to understand the basics that, you know, how we've been living our lives for years is why where we are at this place now. It doesn't sit outside. And so when we then start to support ourselves holistically in this phase of life this is where we can see that women do feel balanced you know they don't struggle with the brain fog energy problems mood problems hot flushes you know and then that then impacts them in their lives but also then in the workplace doesn't it 
And as we know that women in this phase of life for years have either gone part-time, given up their roles in their jobs, you know, doing something completely different, and it's gone on sort of blindly. No one's really put in the pieces together. And these poor women have just lost confidence, felt like they've got imposter syndrome, because no one's been talking about it the way it's talked about now, um, which is really exciting. But the organisations, ones I've worked with so far, they've been really keen, actually, to have this conversation. And that's the important thing. What can we do about these women that are struggling? And employers have a duty of care to support women in this phase. And it doesn't mean that you make sure they've got fresh water to drink (laughs) or they've got a fan on the desk or they've got access to an open window. Yeah, that's going to make some changes, but hello, you know, that's not going to help her sleep better. It's not going to help her mood, you know, and there's like this... There's like, I don't know, I can't even think of the word. There's like a gap. There's something missing, isn't there? Yeah. It certainly feels as though there's this process that you might go through is the perimenopause and menopause that could be done to you and it's this external force that nobody talks about and you just have to suck it up and get on with it and maybe make decisions that don't benefit you or your family or your workplace or your community or you provide solutions and answers and tools and approach that can put the control back in your hands again and, and help you feel like you are back in your own skin again and therefore continue to show up well and continue to feel good and so play a better role for your family and your friends and your workforce and in your community, which has only got to be a good outcome for everybody. Absolutely. You know, that's going to impact the global economy, your, com- your right. community, you know, the way you live. And then obviously your smaller community, you know, like the people that are close to you, it's it's huge. You know, the impact is it's just amazing. And it doesn't have to be hard. As you know, I've got, you know, five pillars basically. And so when I work with women one-to-one, obviously in my group, I implement those five pillars. But then also in organisations, I'm talking about those five pillars, empowering the female staff to one of them, for example, is diagnostic testing. And they can be a simple thing like having your iron levels tested, your ferritin levels, your vitamin D, your thyroid, you know, and organisations can encourage their female staff to have those things tested because unfortunately, we are at this age and most women don't really understand the mental cycle. And it's no fault of their own. It's just that we were never taught this information. No one felt that we needed to know it and how important it actually is for our well-being and our health. And so women don't understand that. And then they don't understand how our ovaries are connected to the thyroid, connected to your iron levels or your vitamin D levels. You know, it's... Oh, I just, I just, oh, it just really angers me because we've just been let <laughs> yeah. down so much. We talk often, and we know you're a big advocate of this, about entrepreneurs are their own greatest asset. So you have to look after yourself first so that you can then take care of your business. 
So we would love to learn from you. How do you fuel yourself as an entrepreneur? So kind of physically, mentally, spiritually, nutritionally, like what does that look like for you? Do you have any routines in place or just tell us so we can copy you? <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, some people might think that I'm a bit radical. <laughs> yeah, we love that. <laughs> But I don't mind being radical because it's radical that's got me here and I'll continue to be radical. <laughs> so nutrition, to start off with that, you know, I'm, you know, regardless of how much money you have, for me, I value good quality food. My meat is organic. I'll buy organic vegetables you know, and people might think, oh, God, you know, why are you spending so much money on this food? But I just know that is why I got better. So I will put money into good quality food. I'd rather do that than buy a Louis Vuitton handbag or, or something. You know what I mean? That's how much I value good quality food. So organic food. I also take supplements as well. And I take quality supplements again. There is a huge industry of supplements out there and like anything else, there's things that have got nasty stuff in it and then there's high quality ones. So I buy high quality supplements. I feel very fortunate that I know what to take because that's my training. So I take quality supplements, which has enabled me to get better. So yeah, I would continue to do that. Now, as you know, I was trained, or I'm trained as a personal trainer, and so physical exercise or movement is really important to me, but it has changed since being unwell. And so walking is something that I do constantly all the time, and it's really interesting. You know, me, personal trainer, you know, there's no way I'd be going out walking every day. I wouldn't see the value in it. I'd want to be getting hot and sweaty and pumping some iron you know and getting the burn and while I still would love to do that my body isn't unable to do that at the moment so I would say that I'm probably in terms of how well I am I'd probably say I'm about about 85 to 90 percent better I can do all the everyday tasks and I can drive as far as I want to do but that continuous kind of lifting weights is a little bit too much. It just drain. It just drain me. So walking is something that I do regularly, and it's that low grade exercise. It's great. There's some mindfulness in there as well. I love listening to podcasts as well when I do my walks. So I really love that, and I do do a little bit of resistance training at home. Sleep is super important for me as well. You know, you won't catch me on social media at eight o'clock at night. That's it, my cut off time. And also blue light as well, that's cut off. So trying to get to bed around about 10, 10 10.30. And I love journaling. That's something that I do as well. I do something, it might sound a bit, ooh, but I I kind of honour my parents as well. Mum and dad passed away now. And I do honour them. I have a little altar, let's say, call it. So I light a candle for them every day. And I have like little pictures of them on there as well. And, and I, you know, as you know, if you follow me on social media, I'll play their records as well. So I have some of their old vinyls that, 
they used to play with me for kids. I've actually got my dad's stereogram. It doesn't work. It needs some work doing to it. So I'd like to restore that so that I can actually use that. So, yeah, they're some of the things I I do on a regular basis. Yeah. And Pamela, you've you've mentioned your parents there. And I'd really encourage anyone listening to go and follow Pamela on, on social media because you'll get all sorts of health tips and advice. But also one of the most joyful things to see is Pamela dancing to her <laughs> parents' records. <laughs> Heritage is clearly really important to you, Pamela, and, and also family. So you run retreats with your daughter. What role does heritage and family play for you in terms of fueling your confidence as an entrepreneur and as a business owner? Yeah, I think heritage is something that I've grown into and the importance of it, to be honest. I think that we can take people for granted, situations for granted. I think because both my parents are no longer with us. But when I look at their legacy, coming to the UK, they met here, they didn't know each other here, and they came with a dream. When I think about how they lived their lives, I, I just feel really inspired by them. You know, my dad, he was he was really intelligent and never fully used his potential. But he was an entrepreneur. In his own way, he bought a house. Because I don't know if you know when a lot of the people from Jamaica were invited to the UK, there were lots of signs saying that you're not welcome, no Irish, no dogs, and no blacks. And so they rented initially and then when they had my eldest sister that my dad bought a house and what he did was he sublet different parts of the house to people so other people lived in rooms and we all lived in one room I think by the time I was born I think they probably owned the house totally to themselves but before that they had other people living in there and then, you know, his earnings went up when he was able to afford the house on his own. So that is, that is really something to do. And then when I look at my mom, mom again was intelligent, but again, never was able to utilise her intelligence as well. But she was great at community. If you went out anywhere, there was always someone that she knew. <laughs> And she'd be stopping and having a conversation with someone. And she was just so kind as well, always wanted to give to people. And when I look at how they brought us up, you know, with those morals, I just think, oh, at the time I didn't see the value in what they were saying. But now they've passed, I think, you know, I can see the lessons they were trying to teach us and, and give us, you know, and... So for me to have a business with my daughter is just amazing. It's beautiful. And we have such a lovely connection that just flows really, really easy, just like water flows. That's how it feels to me. It's just something that just happens really naturally. And and the beauty of that is that our guests that come to our retreats benefit from that. Mm -hmm. That's Mm. such a beautiful description of Mm. your relationship Mm. with her and the way that you describe your mum and that sense of community and that bringing people together, we can see so strongly is such an important part of Mm. your business. 
Like how important are those partnerships and that sense of community to how you're going about growing your business? They are essential because the changes that we need to see in our society, in our world, in the workplace, the cultural changes, there's no way that I can do that on my own. And so together, we are stronger. We can really shake this system up and make differences, you know, really disrupt the narrative around women at this face of life. And we can do that better together. And I've made some incredible connections with, with women and organisations. You know, this last year, you know, 2020 and 2021, is just incredible. And, and it's just growing. It's growing. It's exciting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. that sense of in it together is so important, isn't it? Particularly when, for you, you're taking on a system. You're taking on the way that women's health has been talked about, treated, the way that women can access information. It's so big. <laughs> There's so much legacy that comes with it. That sense of I'm going to play my role and there's a really important role that I'm playing and I can help organisations and individuals like this. And there's also this organisation over here and they might have developed an app, for instance, that you know it's a different piece of the same puzzle and you can bring all of those pieces together and that's where real change comes from. It feels like a real zeitgeist moment as well for your area and your expertise but it feels like you're in exactly the right time and space to be running the business that you're building. Yeah, 100%, totally agree. And, and I think a, a woman from the African diaspora, which is what I like to describe myself as, I feel that there also needs to be a balance in terms of who's delivering this as well. And, you know, when we look at research, for example, where there's limited research anyway into women's health in this phase of life. But the disparity between black and white women, Asian women, you know, in the UK, you know, there's even little. And there needs to be more understanding about the things that are contributing to women's health in this phase, depending on your culture, socioeconomics, your disposition, your genetics, and then we've got epigenetics. And, you know, we can't not think about all of that and how that impacts women, depending on your culture and your race in the UK. Yeah, yeah. So, Pavla, as we wrap up, we always ask a question in this vein, but for any women who are listening to this conversation, maybe particularly for any black women who are listening to the conversation, are there any words of wisdom or lessons that you would want to share with those women if they're thinking, could I start a business? Is this a path that I could follow? Hmm. I think, yes, this is going to be the answer. Is Yes, of course you can. And I think if you have a passion and you're really passionate about it, so you need to be passionate about it today and in five years' time, and also if it doesn't go to plan, you still need to be passionate about it, is to definitely run with that. But then also collaborate with others that you feel you trust and that you connect with that has the same, share the same values as you do, because it's better with more than one. 
that growing your business alongside with somebody else is super powerful as I'm embarking on as well at the moment and uh, so yes I do believe yes go for it I think if you have had enough of working for somebody else then work for yourself. Pavla it's been fab to talk to you so thank you for joining us on The Radicalist. Thank you so much for inviting me. For more information, visit Smarter Change. We'll be back next week with more inspiration and know-how on starting and growing your own business.